Peggy, I probably couldn't have picked a better day to walk to the footy with the Richmond president. How good of a day is this for a big game today? Well, the weather's looking okay. It's a bit windy. I'm hoping the rain comes in early <laughs> since we play pretty well in the rain. But uh, now by the time you get up to this part of the season, uh, every game's pretty exciting. And, and this one, since we haven't played West Coast in so long, and they're the premier, so it'll be a really good measure of us. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, what are we? Quarter to 12 on game day. So we're about a bit under two hours away from the bounce. <laughs> Do you feel like Richmond president or... Richmond fan right now. <laughs> well, I'm always the Richmond fan, but when you walk through the MCG Yarra Park like we're doing now, it makes you you feel a bit like the president uh, because you realize how big the club is and how many people are are, are supporting us and behind us, and so um, so a bit of both. I'm a fan until I. Uh, I mean, I'm a present until I get there, and then I just turn into a fan like everybody else and try to maintain my calm, though, when the camera's on me. (laughs) (laughs) Tough job. Um, I want to talk about Peggy the fan. How how did a lady from West Virginia become a Tigers fan? (laughs) Well, all those years ago, um, 30 years ago now, I moved to Australia and I moved to Richmond. And so I always liked sport, and I found out there was a team that was named for my suburb and and the Save Our Skins campaign started shortly after that and I thought well I'll support my local team and um, so I started going to games and more and more games and uh, and then over time I turned into a typical Richmond supporter which is to say a mad Richmond supporter <laughs> and I thought I just love going to games I love the the game but I love being part of a crowd and uh, we weren't doing very well but I persisted and just kept going and um, so I think I went to my first game in 1992 and uh, there was a lot of ups and downs along the way. What was your first impression of Australian rules football? Do you remember? Yeah um, I'd listened a bit on the radio but then when you actually came to a match um, you realize how big the ground is compared to American sport and also how athletic all the players are and how many people are on the ground at any point in time <laughs> and uh, but but it's so fast moving and and once I realized there's no offsides rule <laughs> that people are coming <laughs> from everywhere uh, I thought this is a really interesting game and you might not know all the rules which I think a lot of us still don't know all the rules um, but you could enjoy it right away and so I did and I thought oh I think I'm gonna really make a point of going to more games and and so I have, and now, and now I go to all of them. And do you remember the moment where you felt hooked? Do you? Oh, I don't know where if it, was where a, it, I guess, there was took a, over you. Well, I don't know if there was a moment, but uh, as a lawyer, there was a lot of weekend work, and I remember at some point thinking, I'm now going to the office early on Saturdays, like 7 a.m., <laughs> so I get to the MCG by 2. It became a priority somewhere in the late 90s, I guess, uh, and I can't point to any one thing. But then I started thinking, oh, I think I need to go interstate and see some of these matches. <laughs> I need to see what the Sydney Cricket Ground looks like. I need to go to uh, what was Amy Park then in Adelaide and I need to go to Subiaco. And so I think that uh, there was no one moment, but more and more of my spare time revolved around getting to footy matches and that sinking feeling when the season's over and we weren't in September action much. 
uh, thinking, oh, what am I going to do now? <laughs> Except follow the trade talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if you're planning... Um, what, what made you want to go from supporter in the outer to, I guess, being a bit more involved when you... I think you started as a player sponsor and then founded the Tommy Hafey Club. What, yeah. what caused that jump to, to want to get more involved in the club? Um, but, well, I you know, had became a member uh, sort of early on and then I was talking to some members and they said, oh, it's really fun to be a player sponsor. You get better seats and have a couple of dinners and you get to meet the players. And uh, I thought, okay, well, I'll try that. And it was great. And the first player I sponsored was Ray Hall, I think in 2002, and uh, he and I are still in touch, uh, and I caught up with him this season, whenever he's in town, we go to a game together, and uh, Dan Jackson was another one, and so we still stay in touch, and um, so I I just thought it was an opportunity, and I didn't know exactly what it would be, but an opportunity to know them as more than just, hi, how are you? a bit of camaraderie amongst the presidents or is he, is he one of your favorites <laughs> no there is and he is one of my favorites um, uh, it's it, it, there's a lot of mutual respect and and I think most presidents uh, if not all when you have a call from another one of the club presidents it becomes a priority to return it and uh, I think you often think only they understand what it's like to be in that role and uh, and we share a lot of information about you know, governance and those boring things behind the scenes. Uh, but uh, I sort of feel for people who are facing you know, changing coaches, changing CEOs, all those personnel changes that uh, are tough decisions to make. So you, would you say that there's more information sharing about, amongst the presidents than the coaches? <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely, definitely. <laughs> we don't have the secrets to on-field success. <laughs> We're the off-field people and that's quite different. <laughs> um, you mentioned your professional life. Um, you yes. spent most of your time in law and specialising in superannuation and financial services. Yes, that's your homework there. I have. <laughs> I knew anyway because I've always taken an interest in your career. Um, and story, but how much of your life is balanced between footy and work, I suppose, these days? Um, quick bag check on the way into the MCG. Yeah. <laughs> Even the Richmond president gets uh, security scanned on the way through. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 
always too many things. Uh, let's see. I think we go get the lift from yep. there up to. Well, you know where to. Yeah. Um, Pump media boxes. Is. Yes. Um, yeah. What's your split between? Oh. Uh, like footy and, and work, if we call it that. Um, well, it, it varies from week to week, and there's a great management team at Richmond, so they don't really need me coming down and interfering. Um, but between you know, board meetings and organizing um, things for the board and management, and I talk to Brendan quite often, but I don't necessarily have to go down. Uh, and then last week... Well, by the way, could you send your photos of me? Um, and then last week was I was in Sydney most of the week for work, and so you just sort of take it as it comes. But uh, football could take up every spare moment that you have <laughs> if you let it. So it's nice to have a lot of other commitments, but uh, all of it's fun. It's nice juggling things. I like the variety of it. Um, I'm joined by Peggy O'Neill, and we're on our way to game day. We're at the G and heading to all her pre-game duties. What does that look like for a president? Where, where are we heading this morning? What happens before you can sit back and watch your team take <laughs> on West Coast? <laughs> well, um, this morning I'm going to ABC Grandstand and uh, our media people arrange things and ask when I'm free to do a variety of things. And So that's today and um, lots of times we have a president's function they have to preside over and I'm um, not able to um, uh, to do media because I have to be somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So today we're not having a full-blown president's lunch. Um, so I said I'd be happy to come in and do this one. Um, so it's ABC. I think uh, it just depends on what comes through. So sometimes it's media. Um, for most every home game we have a president's function where I have to, you know, say some words and, and get to see all the the um, sponsors and our supporters and so it's and then you get to watch the game and if you're really if it's a really good day you get to sing the song down in the rooms afterwards. <laughs> uh, so you were you were elected to this role in 2013 and you were the first ever female president of an AFL club and yeah still the only still one. the only one. I just think we've got to work on that. Yeah, what, what, why is it? And so you're one of 18. What, what do you put it down to? What, what do you think needs to change to see more women come through or why aren't there more there already? Uh, well, I think you also have to realise, as I just mentioned, it's a, it's a time commitment and there are lots of very capable people, women and men, but surprisingly a lot of people don't want this role. <laughs> and, um, uh, but I think it's, it's people putting themselves forward to say that they would like it and then, you know, the... I think for every club, the board elects the president, so it's um, it's a balance of who wants it, who is the timing right. If if um, things are going well, people tend to not want to change anything. So um, good, Baz. How are you? <laughs> um, so I I think we've just got to um, to realize that um, we need the variety of everybody there and um, I know lots of times people say getting women into roles is the easiest part of bringing you no know, quality and diversity and I think well we haven't solved that one yet <laughs> so let's solve that one and um, and then we can move on you can do them all in parallel but it's um, uh, so it, it's there's no quick fix but I think there's so many capable women that I know on AFL club boards that um, that it should be it, it should be quite natural that somebody comes through besides 
me in the last six years. But at the time when I was elected, um, you know, it, was, it was all men on the board and they elected me and that could happen sort of anywhere. But uh, it's not for lack of talent, I guess mm-hmm. I'm saying. What was that experience like? Do you remember back to being elected? <laughs> did, did you feel you were immediately accepted? And um, Well, I guess I was a bit naive because I'd been on the board for so long and um, the board elected me and I knew that world, I knew Richmond, I, I knew how to run a meeting, I knew the people who worked there. I guess I was naive in the sense of that it was still it was a story in the wider world and uh, I'm still surprised how many people identify who you are. But in those first couple of years, I think it's like with any new job, there are dimensions to it you don't know and you haven't experienced. Until you experience them, you don't know how to handle them. Um, so I'm, I think I'm much better now than I was then, and I think we all would like to think as we spend more time in a job that we get better. Um, and I realized, too, those first couple of years, uh, nobody in football world knew me. And so there was a testing time about well, where did she come from and, and how come we never heard of her, and my accent's different, and I didn't go to school with anybody. I didn't have a brother who played. For, you know, it was back then it was, it was the men. Um, and I was surprised that, um, that that became sort of a talking point. But it did, and, um, and I guess the only thing to do is to keep going. And I thought, if I'm no good at this, uh, Richmond can elect another president. But they've elected me, and I'm just going to set about doing the best I can. And I think they're trying to overturn the rules where you, <laughs> you, um, <laughs> you're only meant to limits. serve two, yeah. Well, um, two out They're, they're the trying amendment. to change it so that you can uh, well, serve uh, an extra no, one. <laughs> I think that, uh, uh, that after my, I have one more term to go, and then after that, um, I think it's someone else's turn to get the privilege of doing this. But um, uh, I think lots of times when things are working, nobody wants any change, but you realize the good stuff only happened because of change and uh, anyone who's I think also if you've been president as I will have been by then for nine years it's um, uh, if you've been working hard you're pretty tired by then (laughs) so uh, and we have a lot of really good people on our um, on our board and so I'm sure in the next couple of years with the successor will be a parent and will be somebody who wants to do it and has the time to do it so um, um, no I'm not looking for any extension beyond uh, beyond this uh, and it's not for the fact that I love it it's just it's time for somebody else okay. um, well we're inside the MCG now and Peggy has media duty so we'll pick up this conversation on the other side of your radio interview Peggy okay great that's part of getting better at the job is you just know more about the club and so you can anticipate and have an answer and it was sort of like when I was first doing law after a while you know what you should know and you know what is is a out of left field question where you can easily say I have to get back to you on that (laughs) Um, but uh, anyway so So there, there is some good synergy between working in as president of the footy club and um, being a lawyer, some experiences you've been able to pull across from? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think uh, a bit of it is just getting all the facts and uh, trying to make the best decisions you can and, um, and having a long-term view about what's best for your client or for the club. So, um, yeah, I think there are some parallels. <laughs> um, I want to go back to what we were talking about just before you did your radio interview about when you were first elected as president um so would you say that you felt 
more of I don't want to use the word outside of it maybe more different because of your accent and maybe people assuming that you were a bit of an outsider <laughs> um, rather than that you were female or like did, maybe they were assuming you weren't the football tragic that you were <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that um, I, I didn't fit the mould, um, which you know often leads people to conclusions that aren't necessarily uh, the right ones. But you can't fault that if you don't know the person. Um, but I did hear some, someone say, "Not only is she a woman, she's a yank." Uh, <laughs> and that went at an for, official and that went on for a while. No, that was over uh, social media and oh. writing in. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Um, but uh, so I think both of that was a surprise, and I'm not sure if there's been another club president from another country, uh, maybe the UK along the way, but I'm I don't know. Yeah, not that I'm aware of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Certainly not a female one. So but. That was a, a, a first, and people will take a while to get used yeah. to that. And like I say, change is important, but sometimes change um, upsets people a little bit until they get used to it. Well, we're walking to Peggy's next commitment now, a members function with the Richmond fans. G'day. Inside the MCG. Peggy, when I think of the great partnerships in... Uh, hello, hello. <laughs> When I think of the great duets in the AFL at the moment, the few that spring to mind are Fagan and Hodge, uh, maybe Selwood and Dangerfield. <laughs> Another one is you and Brendan Gale. <laughs> um, uh, we're on the other side. How has your working relationship evolved over the years? Because it's been nearly a decade that you've been, or over a decade that you've yeah. been working together. Actually, uh, this month is. 10 years for Damien and Brendan. They were hired in the same month. Uh, and I interviewed both of them. <laughs> so um, I knew Brendan from legal days. And, um, and of course I saw him play, but I didn't really know him as a player. I thought one of the things about becoming president is it's important that relationship between the chair and the CEO and that we could work together pretty well. Um, so that was a sort of a, a draw card for me. I don't know if the fact that we're both lawyers made, excuse me, it, I was just saying that I don't know if it's the fact that we're both lawyers that we tend to use the same language and we tend to um, not so much think alike as analyze problems in certain ways and are used to that to and and fro until you get something close to right. I think that it's not that anybody has the best idea that when you test the two, oh, that, uh, that when you test a proposition, and he and I do that a bit. Um, you usually end up with a better decision than if it's just one person or the other person. Uh, Brendan's put together a really strong management team, um, and it, it makes my job so much easier. But in those early days, when Brendan came out with his call to action and the 3075, and um, there was a, I, I, I know, and this was a big new job for him being CEO of a football club, and um, so I know there were a lot of. Um, worries and sleepless nights on his part and um, and I wasn't president then so I was on the board and just thinking he'll do a great job but he he started looking more and more uh, stressed <laughs> as things went on and then when we uh, I think probably the, the worst that I saw him is when we had, we sold games to play in cans and we sort of had to because we had no money and um, and then we lost to the Gold Coast two of the three 
and I was on the little bus with him the second game of the loss and um, I'm glad I wasn't on the plane with him going back. <laughs> he, he was so he was disappointed. But that's that's trying to to not let the emotion overtake the good judgment, and uh, and he didn't. And uh, and I think the board's job is to take some of the volatility out too. So he's he's a pleasure to work with, uh, and um, we we do get along well. I was just thinking you're probably almost polar opposites in the sense that you've come into your role and people have had to get to know you they didn't know you prior (laughs) whereas he's almost at the other end he was a club hero and has come in with I guess another form of pressure in that everyone who knew who he was (laughs) that's true does that make you a I guess that diversity probably helps to make you stronger as a partnership as well yeah and he was also a great person to to teach me to help me along and he was willing to do that uh, you know I knew how to do the business part of things but for him to introduce me to so many people and uh, and to be so uh, patient in the way things are and he's anyway so I know him and his family quite well and uh, but we you know we don't hang out together we work together and, and that's it um, but he uh, if you want to see something quite extraordinary you should go walk through Hobart with him. And uh, of course, he's a real hero legend there, yeah. in Tassie. So, hi, hi. Sam. Hi. Good. How are you? Well, Peggy and I have assumed our seats. Is this your normal seat at the footy, Peggy? It is. It is. And <laughs> home games, this is it. Uh, you- and you can see the coach's box right there, and you can see the clock in the far corner, so it's a good place to be. <laughs> so, how often do you look over your right shoulder and check what the mood's like in the in the coach's box? Well, they don't get much away from here. You can see they have the computer strategically placed so that we can't quite see all of the facial expressions. I see more on the when I watch the replay on television because they have a better camera angle than I do. Um, but, uh, oh, there's Merv Keane, who's about to, uh, he's our homecoming hero, he's about to kick a goal. Where are we looking? Oh, here. Over yeah, there, yeah. at the Punt Road end. Oh. So what, what's the homecoming hero initiative? Tell us about that. Well, at every home game at the MCG, we ask one of our past players to come back and be our hero for the day. And uh, they kick the sort of ceremonial first goal in front of the Punt Road crowd. And then they give the ball to a Richmond supporter in the in the stands, and um, and we uh, sort of get to celebrate their career with us. Whose initiative was that? Where did, where did the idea come from? Oh, it came from our clever people in um, uh, marketing and fan engagement many years ago. Now I think we've been doing this for seven or eight years, and uh, and we have some a mix of players from the '60s and '70s, and then players from as recent as five years ago. Greg Tivendale was there this year and um, uh, Dick Daffy's done it, Matthew Richardson's done it and then some of the heroes of our 67-69 premierships. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Here he goes. <laughs> now tell me, you, do you, work, you walk to the MCG for every home game from your I do, place. I do. And, um, and, uh, and if we're playing at the MCG, even if it's not our home game, I'll walk down. Um, there's a they've offered you know there's a spot underneath the building if you want to do that but I thought this is what I enjoy is walking down and when they close Brunton Avenue it takes you a long time to get back <laughs> and I thought it's quicker to walk and um, and it's my neighborhood and and uh, when things aren't going well I people want to tell me about it but when things are going well they want to tell me too so uh, you got to take the, the bad with the good so how often would you get stopped on the walk from home to the G? <laughs> 
Oh, uh, I know some shortcuts where there aren't a lot of people. Uh, but when uh, round one last year, when I w was coming down to unfurl the flag, uh, I, I almost felt like I had an entourage with me as everybody fell behind me and we go. And, and I had people from overseas who had come. And so, uh, but it's great to be part of such joy for so many people. And, um, and it's a real privilege to be able to do that. Sometimes I don't quite understand it, but you realize that they love the club and you're just a symbol of that, so. Take us deeper into that, I guess, being embraced by the club. Because you don't often hear players specifically speaking about their president. <laughs> You're often the, the faceless kind of um, yeah, members yeah. of footy clubs and I, I wouldn't be able to, without doing any research, rattle off too many of them, but I know that the Richmond Footy Club president is Peggy O'Neill, partly because your players speak of you often. So oh. what? Yeah. why do you think your players have such a connection with you when You've, you've mentioned a few times there are those boundaries between on-field and off-field. Why do you think your players, you've had an effect on your players to the point where they'll acknowledge you? Recently I heard Shane Edwards, Edwards mention you during his milestone game. Right, uh -huh. Why do you think? <laughs> well, I guess I've been around for a while, so they couldn't help but notice me after a while. Um, I, think, I think, too, that... Um, uh, that that we have opportunities as presidents to just be around the place and, and as board directors. And, um, and, and when you've won a grand final and you've spoken in front of them so many times in the capacity as president, and uh, that uh, over time it sort of settles in that that's who you are. Um, Shane Edwards is, a, is fantastic and he might know, but I suspect some of the younger ones still don't know exactly who I am and I must be somebody's mother. Uh, but, um, but I think it's because, because I say hello and I'm friendly and, and over time you get to know them. I, when they have a milestone game, I usually send them a text or an email and just tell them how much we appreciate that, what they do for the club. And, so, so I don't know why they mentioned me, but, um, but like I say, I've been around for quite a while, and the senior guys at the club, we would have, um, well, I've been there 14 years now. <laughs> well, one of those that mentioned you is Trent, your captain, Trent Cochin, and I actually, while I was waiting for you at Punt Road, bumped into Trent, and a, a member came to reception, and it was unattended. He, he was chasing a ticket because he'd forgotten his membership card. <laughs> Trent Cotchen, who's not playing today because of his hamstring injury, disappeared for five minutes, went and logged onto a computer and printed him <laughs> off a couple of tickets. I don't think the member was expecting that to find the, the captain be the one that retrieved him a, a ticket to replace the lost one. Uh, Does oh, that sum Trent, up him Trent's as a, a leader? Tasker. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's going to help solve the problem. You're right. <laughs> yeah, I think it does sum him up as a leader. Um, because he texted me that you were there and where was I and you were waiting on me and I said I'm walking and um, but when I got the text from him I thought oh he wants my parking spot at the club because he knows I'm walking <laughs> so um, anyway it's, it's it's become sort of casual over time that you feel familiar enough to do that but um, but Trent is uh, well Trent is great for us and um, what he stands for and what he means to the club the kind of 
brand of leadership that he brings uh, and what he's developed into as a person and I think uh, he now understands what leadership is. When you become captain at 22, I don't think you have much of an idea what's going to come your way and how you're going to be tested, but, uh, but he's come through with flying colors and has worked a lot on, uh, on what, who he is as a person and what he stands for. For those listening, it might be a bit confusing that the West Coast Eagles song's now playing in the background, but we're at the MCG waiting for the game to start. I'm chatting to Peggy O'Neill, Richmond Footy Club president. You've said a couple of times about how lucky you feel that you've had that stability off-field with yourself, Brendan, Damien, all coming on board at the same time. Uh, how important do you think that is for a successful footy club? Well, I think you uh, need stability in the sense of principles and what you stand for and you need people who who agree that those things are important. I do think it shouldn't be about the individual. Uh, for a while it is, but I think the next most important thing is, is who comes next. And if you've done your job really well, I always think nobody knows when you leave, that it's not about you and uh, and the next person that comes along gets all the wonderful privilege of this role, but also just has that long-term interest in the club at heart and it just keeps going. Um, and I know sometimes fans say to me, oh, we don't want you to leave, we don't want Damien to leave, we don't want Brendan to leave. And I, and I think it's because the superstition that somehow it's the magic of us, but I think it's the magic of how you approach things. And there are lots of people who can do this role as well, if not better. And so, um, so change, change is good. You don't want to get stagnant. And, um, and it, it, but stability in the sense of, of regular, predictable change and looking to the future and being innovative is what's important, not staying the same. Together you've um, experienced the highest of highs with the Premiership, which we'll chat about, but also some challenging times. We begin with AFL and Richmond has been plunged into crisis with a group of influential supporters and former Premiership players calling for an immediate spill of the board. The Richmond Football Club now sits at a 35-year crossroad. It either continues down the same path as the most unsuccessful team in the competition, or it takes a new road, one that sees it playing in and winning premierships. The alternate board says coach Damien Hardwick would be safe as coach, so too CEO Brendan Gale. We can, we can make as many excuses as we like as, oh, they, could have done, they should have done this and they've been unlucky and what have you. All we're saying is that we want to bring a new you know, broom in. Let's look at it a different way. Richmond finished the 2016 season 13th. Of course, we'll follow those developments on Nine News throughout the day. Was the attempt of the Focus on Footy group to overturn um, your leadership one of the more challenging times during your tenure? And how did you maintain your resolve throughout that period? Well, it was challenging in the sense we were working so hard on, on analysing what we needed to do because we were getting the finals but we weren't winning. We knew that. We knew there was work to do. And so we were going about about understanding that, about uh, being sure that what we needed, we understood what we needed to change, not change for change's sake. We were also in the middle of recruiting the next generation of players. We, uh, so it was important in the sense that a distraction that took energy away from what we thought was a long-term 
uh, interests of the club. But in the end, um, it was like, well, these are the principles, and the principles are, I've been elected, we think we're on the right track, and we'll just get on with the job. And, uh, and every year, we have an election for part of the board, and people can run for the board. And if uh, people who don't think we're doing a good job want to go through the proper process uh, of having good ideas, going to the membership, getting elected, that's fine, and we expect that. But uh, but in a that's a very constructive way of change, and and I think change is a good thing. So so it, it took a lot of energy that we could have better spent on um, on working on things at the club, but but in the end we just kept doing what we were doing. Tigerland going to take over Melbourne. The throw-in takes place in the pocket. The countdown's onto the siren. We wait for the roar. And there it is! For the strong and the bold who have been taunted and traumatised for over 37 years. This one is for you. Richmond, yes, Richmond, our premiers. 5.13pm on Saturday, September 30, 2017 is officially Tiger Time. What are you most proud of with the, the Premiership in 2017? What, what, when you reflect on that, makes you most proud? Well, um, I think it's, it's, it's all the work we put into understanding uh, what we needed to do to take that next level. We're obviously, we had we'd become good, you know, we were in finals 2013, 2014, 2015, but that leap to get to being excellent is a big leap and, uh, and understanding what are the tools, how can we help people and also the focus on how many people had to change a little something about themselves and everybody was willing to do that and everybody, and so, so then in the end when it all came together and I look back I thought hard people had to work in the sense of not just being ready to play the game but mentally how it had to be different and Damien and Trent led the way with that the leadership group led the way with that and it came down to they wanted to have a good time at work and I remember that you wrote an article and I, I about you seemed to sense in you with your um, being a team player um, that they were having fun and they were selfless out there and uh, that was totally different than what had happened in previous years and and it's seen us through to today we, we became a different place and and so that makes me really proud that so many people were willing to change for the sake of the club what are you seeing this year because I mean 2017 it felt like you rode a wave and rode it really well yeah not to dismiss all the work that would have happened behind the scenes and prior to that that moment but last year up against expectation and maybe ended with a bit of disappointment or the one that got away what are you feeling this year oh well I, I'm I'm the place is quite positive um, we're always the glass half full and sometimes I think I'm the glass three quarters full <laughs> um, but I, I just have great faith that people are trying their very best and you can't control everything that happens out there but the things we can control we are and I think it's really heartening to see a whole new team being forged um, from people that don't know anything about 2017 uh, that we, we 
we have a sustainable brand of football. We have a club and we have a great membership, you know, 103,358 members. It just is uh, heartening to me to see we've struck a chord with the public and that our, our players are still playing that selfless brand of football. Now, Peggy, we're wrapping up because I know you're getting a bit edgy. We're about to start the game. <laughs> they're going to bounce the ball. <laughs> and I know my time is done when that happens. Um, when I was preparing to chat to you, I was reading all about your business or career as a lawyer and now your time at Richmond. But amongst all that, being one of the biggest lawyers in the land and the president of the biggest football club in the land, you find time to do passion projects and some not-for-profit work. Um, a lot of them focusing on empowering women. I mean, you're on the board at Women's Housing. Uh, you're an advisor for Home for Homes, which is another wonderful organisation, and Opportunity International, which it took up half my time in preparing, <laughs> reading about all these great charities you work for. Um, the theme seems to be empowering women. Uh, other than the obvious, that they're great causes and... Um, I guess that, that you're a woman. Why, why those charities? Why, what is it about um, empowering women that you're really passionate about? Well, um, I think that those of us who have really had a fortunate life in the sense that so much has come our way by accident of birth, that we need to think about... <laughs> Don't worry, that's not the start. It's not the, the, the final siren. <laughs> that we need to think... Um, um, oh, about those organizations that um, it's also been shown that once you empower women that so many lives change through extended family, through their children, uh, like Opportunity International's microfinance in um, third world countries, uh, mostly Asian, and you find that when you can give a small loan to a woman who, for example, decides that she can go to the market and she has a sewing machine, so she makes it a little... And suddenly, the dirt floor, she can put uh, concrete down. So then illness goes down, and then the next thing is to get the children into school. And so women, I think, can change so much by empowering a woman because the first thing most of them do is to think about making their families better and making their communities better. And, uh, and often reflect, of, like I said, just how fortunate by accident of birth uh, and and you can't take that for granted. Um, and women experiencing homelessness, uh, the fastest growing segment of poverty is, is um, women over 60. So it's, um, it's thinking, what would you do if you're that age and you don't have a home, you don't have a job? And so if you can do a little bit to find some shelter for someone, it's just back to those basic things that people need. And um, so you try to do your little part. And you've just welcomed a women's team to Richmond Footy Club recently with um, the first AFLW season coming up. Yeah. What role We've can sport... We've had a VFLW already. Yes, 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 yes. A couple I know. of years, yes. <laughs> I always watch closely. Um, yeah. uh -huh. What role can sport play in empowering women? Oh, well, I think a lot of us find inspiration from sport, just seeing the, the great athletic feats. But I think sport in a club like Richmond is a wonderful platform to talk about social causes and uh, people often say oh but it shouldn't be political and I always say there's nothing more political than the Olympics it's always that sort of stuff but it's a platform to send a message to people about respect for each other about compassion and caring 
that uh, often falls on deaf ears if it comes from somebody else in the community. But sporting figures are are, are heroes in the Australian social landscape. And uh, so to have a, a sporting club talk about these kinds of community issues uh, just seems to have a cut through that often uh, the clergy or the schools or the politicians don't have. Now that was the final siren, so I know this has to be my last question. Coin toss is happening at the moment, but the, the commitment to diversity and inclusion at Richmond Footy Club seems to be genuine. Um, um, now, my question is, is the commitment to, to diversity at Richmond real because you're there, or are you there because the commitment is real? <laughs> Well, um, when I was elected president, there was all men, and they elected me on the board. Um, I I think that um, that we the momentum that's net followed from that isn't because of me. It's because of people like Brendan Gale and his management team who just understand how important that is to the Richmond Football Club and what we and it's our purpose, connecting to thrive and win. We want all our communities to thrive. I'll let you get into the game, Peggy. Right, I know right. it's a bounce of the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for your oh, time and, and the chat. Nice um, to spend time with see you, Daisy. you again. <laughs> yes.